Hey there, and welcome to our podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we want to remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now, enjoy the episode. If you're happy that you're here, say amen. Amen. If you're not, hopefully we'll we'll pray for you. Amen. We should be happy, and especially the believers being happy that we're here to worship our Savior. And uh, we have been um, in in a series of messages this far about to follow Christ following Christ. We're in a theme of being rooted in Christ, and the whole point of this series um, is the fact that if we are to be rooted in Christ, I think it'd be great to follow closely uh, to Christ and looking at his ministry in particular. And uh, we've, been in the, we've been in Matthew <clears throat> for a little while. Um, what I had intended to preach is really not what I'll be um, Preaching this morning will actually be in John. I was going to continue in Matthew, but God has a way of changing things up from time to time. And uh, so we want to be obedient to Him. John chapter 12, and in verse 37 through verse uh, 50. Again, I'm always humbled. Each one of you would choose to come here and, and to put your trust in me to rightly divide the Word. And so I take this moment very seriously. And very humble to stand up here before you today. And uh, I just want Christ to be um, lifted up. Amen. That, that's only the reason I'm here is for Christ to be lifted up. Uh, for Him to be lifted up and me to be, as, um, and to be lowly and humble before Him. Um, our desire is for you as a Christian to grow. For you that are unbelievers, we want you to be born again. And uh, Christ is, 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 is the common vantage point for both of you. To grow, we've got to come to Christ. To be born again, you have to come to Christ. Christ is the center. And so that's what we want the preaching time to be, is centered on Him. So John chapter 12 and verse 37, uh, we'll begin reading here. It says, But though He had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on Him. Um. That the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report? And into whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah uh, when he saw his glory and spake of him. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. We're talking about Christ, believed on Christ. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, and whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I 
judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me rejecteth not my words. Or excuse me, and he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment. What I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. Father, we are grateful for your word today. Father, it is my prayer that you would guide me. Um, that you would just help me to speak only what you would have to be said. Uh, Father, I don't know the full uh, state of anyone's heart today. You do. And so, Father, I just want to speak your words. And um, I pray today that uh, every believer will only desire you, that you would be the main priority of their life. I don't know what needs to be crucified in someone's life um, as, as a believer, what, what needs to be rejected or repented from, whatever it may be that may stand in their way of following you. Father, I pray they not be ashamed to have that kind of posture in their life, that kind of movement of repenting, humbling, being meek. Um, and I pray for the unbeliever today. Oh, how they uh, are, um, they are resting in a place of unrest. They're remaining in a place of unbelief, which is simply separation from you. Father, I pray they not leave here today lost and undone, but I pray that they would cry out to you with a confession of their faith, trusting Jesus alone as their Savior, because he died and rose again for them. So guide me in your word. Lord, help me to disappear today from this stage, that they only hear your voice. I pray all of this in Christ's name, and all of God's people said, Amen. I want to lead off with an illustration, or a little, actually a story. Um, my memory, if my memory serves me well, I've used this story before, but it's been about four or five years, so it may be new to everybody since then. But it's just very powerful, and I just want to share it once again with you. Um, there was a, a young mother in New York City, and she had a young child, a daughter, and their house caught on fire. And um, <clears throat> she, the, the mother had, had got out of the home. The little girl was asleep and still in the home. And um, she, she did not waste any time. She went right back into the house, as probably most would. Caring mothers would run back in to um, get their child. However, as she did that, she, she was injured pretty seriously. And the emphasis of the injury of the story was, was the, dis, um, the disfigurement of her face. Just very much disfigured her face, burns. So the beauty that she had, no longer she had after that, even after her healing process, it just did not return. And uh, the story goes that she would always see herself and just be disgusted with how she looked. But she knew it was worth it because she loved her daughter. 
So she went in to save her in. And the child grew and really became a young, beautiful woman. So much so, many admired her. And her, her and her mom was on a, a ship one day. They were sailing along and uh, going sort of an excursion up the river. And um, the uh, mother was staying on the back deck just sort of, you know, taking care of some things back there. And the young daughter was at, at the front of the boat. And uh, just sort of people gathered around her. She was just beautiful to look on. And this got people's attention and just very easy to talk. So you just had a, sort of an audience there just talking. And, but the, the mother had a reason to go to the front of the boat and, and to inquire about something with her daughter. And as she did, um, someone that was standing beside the daughter just whispered to her. She said, who is that hideous woman? And um, the daughter, in a very low tone, softly speaking, she goes, I don't know who she is. However, the tone wasn't low enough for her mother not to hear. So her mother heard the, the um, embarrassment that the daughter had of her own mother. The sort of, um, sort of this disconnection from her. Because she was embarrassed to be identified with the mother that was disfigured. She did not, this moment wasn't an appreciation of why she had that disfigurement. She was simply did not want to be identified with her and face the, you know, the results of what people would think of her because of her saying, that's my mom. So she didn't say that was my mom. I don't know who this hideous woman is. Um, and can you imagine how the mother felt when the daughter had you know, said such hurtful words? And you know, the mother went on back to where she was, the back of the ship. And I think about the story and I shared that. And, we, and we, we shudder at that. I'm sure your heart's like, man, I can't believe, you know, her knowing what her mother did to save her life. We shudder at such disrespect and disconnection. But how many times do we sort of follow the young daughter's um, pattern here when it comes to identifying with Christ? When there's a moment where you know you should identify with Christ a certain way, but because of X, Y, or Z, you choose to act like you don't know who He is. Um, we come to that crossroads very often. If you're out in the world and you're, you're, you're going about the day-to-day, -day, you come to crossroads where, am I going to reveal to those around me who I belong to, or I'm just going to sort of just be like them and not get any kind of you know, unwanted attention? Um, but today, I want us to be encouraged that we as Christians live a life that screams, I know Him. Do we live our life in such a way where people can say, she knows him, or he knows him? And the him I'm talking about is Jesus Christ. You say, Brother Josh, I've not faced any of those moments. Well, just hold on, you will, and you'll have to make a decision. And I say this many and many and many times, Christians should be people of decisions, deciding for Christ, not against Christ. And so I want to deal with this text today. This, this crossroads is not a new one. It's, it's, it's went on all of, through history, right? And uh, we still deal with it today. But I want you to see this scenario here uh, in, <clears throat> in the gospel according to John. 
I want you, first of all, to see this. Just a couple points for you. I want you to see the motivation for concealment. You look back at the story that I just shared with you. This, this daughter had a motivation to conceal her connection or her identity with her mother. Okay? She did not confess the truth. And the motivation that she chose to not confess the truth was very, very uh, vain. Very vain. Um, as you look here at this text, look at the whole chapter, the book of, uh, or chapter 12. You have a lot of things happening here. And a lot of people following Jesus. Mary anoints the, the feet of Jesus, right, with the expensive perfume. And what a, what a great testimony of not caring what somebody's going to think of her, of her gift of worship. Judas says she's wasted that. She's ready for the ridicule. So this chapter begins with someone not caring about what people would say. And she gave her worship to Jesus. She identified with her Savior without any shame. Without any shame. No one would shift her heart of worship to her Savior. Nothing. Jesus, you'll find, enters Jerusalem, Right? And uh, entering in this grand entrance, sort of heading, you know, heading toward uh, the cross, as, as we know. And we find that, uh, you know, it talks about Lazarus in chapter 12. And many were coming to see him. And the Pharisees and Sadducees, they wanted to kill Lazarus because of the testimony of Lazarus' resurrection, bodily resurrection. We find people were, were, were coming to Jesus. They wanted to kill Lazarus and, and take that attraction away. And, uh, of course, you'll find um, Andrew and, 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 and Philip and Christ is telling them, listen, I must go to the cross. My hour has come. So all preparing for that. And uh, many miracles were done, right? You see a lot of things that Christ did and taught. And um, as you come to verse 37, back to our text, he says, But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. So there were many that did not believe. There were many here um, that were religious leaders that had denied him and denied him. So much so that we find the prophet of Isaiah was the fulfillment here of his prophecy that Christ he blinded their eyes uh, so they would not believe because of so much rejection. He put a blindness on them. Uh, so many of them there, which is a very, just a moment no one wants to come to. A, a moment where, where we uh, can never believe again. We know the Bible tells us we can come to a point where Christ doesn't deal with us anymore. We find here a blindness put on some of them. However, as we come on down here, you'll find that many of them did believe, but they did not confess. Let me say something about confession. Confession says two things. Confession says one thing, it's your allegiance to someone. But then also, secondly, your confession also declares your separation from something or someone else. And there's the crossroads. Who are you willing to say, I belong to, and who are you willing to say that I have no part with? And it could be people, it could be, it could be something you do, or the kind of language you use, or the things you watch, or whatever... Who do you belong to and who do you not? There's the crossroads we come to every day. And you'll find it was a crossroads for many that did believe. All right? And so I want us to know this as Christians. Confession. 
right? Being a public testimony. We've had several baptisms here lately, which is, hey, I belong to Jesus. I put my faith and trust in Jesus. It's a declaration. And it's going to be exciting. You're going to find out later on this morning, we're going to have another baptism next week. So I'm excited about what God's been doing. And baptism is saying, I have already believed. I'm declaring unashamedly of who I belong to. Listen, Christian, Confession is not simply saying, I did a good deed and I can go on about my way. Confession is not just doing a good deed. Confession is is living and doing and saying and thinking and living as Christ would. That's confession. So what does confession look like? Keep coming on Sunday mornings and you'll, you'll figure out. Christ gives us a beautiful example about living the confessed life. I'm the Son of God. I am the light of the world. If someone says, I didn't know who he was because they didn't listen. He, was not, he did not stutter to say who he was. But Christians many times find themselves stuttering and stammering over making that clear declaration of who they are and who they belong to. Simply because they choose a motivation that is earthly, vain, empty. Well, I may be embarrassed or they may say this or say that. We go through all these things of what leads us to not be confessional Christians. But can I tell you something? For us to be truly confessional and living as confessional Christians, you need an audience. You need an audience. You know what, is that, you know what also that means? It means I don't need, to, I don't need to, to stow away and hide from people. You say, oh, Brother Josh, I go to the grocery, I go get gas, I, I go here and I go there. Yeah, but do you take your faith with you? Are you, are, you, are you boldly allowing you know, people to see that you're walking with Christ when you go to the grocery, when you, when you go out and about, when you go pay this bill or that bill or go, you know, go eat somewhere? Do people see Christ with you? I'm not saying you don't go places, but does your testimony go with you? We're talking about following Jesus. And it's not just about getting truth in your heart, but it's allowing that truth in your heart to come out and see it be seen in your life. Confessional Christians means there's got to be an audience. We say, Brother Josh, I, I, I do tell people about Jesus, but how many times, oftentimes, we, I don't know when's the last time I have refilled a track rack in our foyer. How many new faces do you bring to church? How many people have you spoken the gospel to? I'm talking about being a confessional Christian. I'm not just saying wrap up your confession and do any good deed. I'm talking about being plainly spoken about Jesus to others. A confessional lie. Folks, that's what we need. Faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. And who speaks the word of God? You and me. Jesus says, I don't speak my own words, but I speak the words of the one who sent me. Plainly, boldly, and loudly, and happily. Even though it would cost him his life. He went. He went out into the world. And he shared the truth about who he was. Strangers, family, friends, whomever. Now, the one thing that hinders us from confessing Christ is simply this the fear of not being accepted by others. Amen? Have you ever said, uh, you know, oh, now before we go here, I got to change clothes. I, I'm not wearing the appropriate attire. I got, I got to change. I got to get washed up. I got to put, put this, this kind of this shirt on or these kind of pants on or these kind of shoes. You change your attire to go there, right? 
You ever been to events like that or a special dinner or whatever? You come to church, you want to, hey, I want to put my best on for Jesus. Hey, listen, wherever you go as a Christian, the Christian clothing, there's never a need to change your clothing. You don't need a wardrobe outside of what you already have on that Christ has given you. Put on Christ. Is there ever a reason to take off Christ? No. But do we? Are we confessional Christians? To be a confessional Christian, there has to be an audience to receive that confession. Are we, are we allowing people to see Christ with us? And the struggle is simply this. Do I want to give the glory to God or do I want the praise of men? That's, that's the crossroads. Look at what happened here. Look at what happened. They, uh, they, they, did not, they were not confessional Christians because they may get thrown out of the synagogue. And simply here, a confessional Christian for a Jew was to say, I no longer put my faith in the law. That, that was their confession. Right? I, I, don't put, I don't put my faith in the, in the law. My faith is in Christ. And that was huge because there would be rejection from, from, from inside the temple, from the religious leaders, because they were seeking to crucify Christ. Right? And, 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 so, and, and so you find there was a lot weighing on their mind. I don't want to be seen as someone rejected out of the temple. I don't want to be the next topic of discussion amongst the religious leaders. I don't want to, I don't want to, what do you want to be? What do you want them to say? If they speak about rejecting me, I pray they're truthful while they reject me. Because of his Savior. That's a rejection we should receive with a smile on our face. But that is, that is the crossroads. I think so many times uh, we, we, we get so concerned about people's perspective of us, we lose the eternal perspective of them. Let me say that again. We get so concerned about our pers- people's perspective of us that we lose eternal perspective of them. What I'm saying is this, if, 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 if we get so concerned about what people think about us, we lose sight of reaching them with the gospel. We'll run and change our clothing and then they, they don't see us as being a part of Christ because now we're talking the same things they do. We're laughing at the same things they laugh at. We're, we're, we're having the same habits and patterns that they do. Nothing that resembles Jesus Christ. Folks, I tell you this morning, I would much rather have my life accepted by the Lord and look crazy by others. That's the confessional life. I would rather be that and know that I left them without excuse on Judgment Day. Hearing the Word. Hearing the Word. We simply just have the fear of man too much as a focus of our life. Here's, here's something that cannot coexist. Secret believers. That, 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 those two, that, that conjunction, those two words, that they cannot go together. Secret believers. No, we are public believers. We have testimony. We're witnesses. We're ambassadors. We are to follow Jesus. If we're going to follow Jesus, we've got we to share the good news like Jesus. I'm talking about being unashamed to follow Jesus. And to be unashamed is to be a confessional Christian. 
a confessional Christian. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. So dear friend, live out, live out the fact that you trust Jesus. There's no reason to fear. But if you go about fearing man, you bring a snare to yourself and you bring a snare to them. You bring a snare to yourself in the sense that I've not pleased my Savior. I'm withholding blessings. I'm bringing, you know, chastisement in my life. And then you're putting a snare in, 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 in their life of getting a little bit harder toward the gospel. Hearts get harder. But the gospel knows how to break hard hearts. But you've got to be the one to take the hammer. And the Holy Spirit knows how to use the hammer. Amen? Or it's the sword of the Spirit. That's, that's more biblical language. But hearts get harder and we must take the softening power of the gospel to them for their hearts to be softened. We must continue, continue, continue. There's a, a story about John uh, Chrysostom. He's you know, one of the gifted speakers of church history, if you know any of your church history. But I want to share this with you. He was called the Golden Tongue. That was his name, what his name uh, meant. It uh, comes from a Greek word meaning golden tongue. But John, just to make sure I get my facts, I'm just going to read this here. Just listen. John was sent from Antioch to what is then Constantinople, okay, where he preached fearlessly to the, the, the Eastern Roman Empire. And he denounced the lavish extravagance of the rich and the ruling class. And his condemnation of excess infuriated many, including uh, the empress, uh, who arranged for him to be exiled, Okay. When he was told of his fate, Chrysostom responded. Now listen to this. What can I fear? Will it be death? But you know that Christ is my life and that I shall reign by death. Will it be exile? But the earth and all its fullness is the Lord's. Will it be the loss of wealth? But we brought nothing into the world and carried nothing out. Thus all the terrors of the world are... are um, um, excuse me, he said, all the tillers of the world, um, they, don't, they don't bother me when, when I see those with my eyes. He said, and I smile at all and all its good things. Poverty I do not fear, riches I do not sigh for, death I do not uh, shrink from. And, and so you find there, he said, he was, on the, he was going to be exiled from, from comfort, from family, from all that he knew, eggs. And he said, that's okay. That's all right. I'd rather be exiled from man and welcomed by Christ. Right? I, and that was, that, was, that was his life. But too many of us worry today what people think and don't care what God thinks. We should care so much more about what God thinks than what man thinks. Live the confessional life. You look at verse 43 back at our text. For they loved the praise. It didn't say they liked the praise of men. It says they loved the praise of of men more than the praise of God. Can I tell you what? You can take all the flattery of this world, but all that will die one day. It'll be gone. But the, but, but, but the praise to God, that's something eternal. So do you want to live for something that's temporal? Or do you want to give your life to something that's eternal? It seems like really not a hard question to answer, but oh, how difficult it gets when we get the pressure of the crossroads. We want these believers, you know what they really wanted? Listen to me. They wanted the best of both worlds. One of the best of both worlds, but can I tell you something? We are citizens of one world, not this one. 
but the one that we'll eventually go to. The best only lives there. And if there's ever any best on earth, it's because he brought it down. Thank goodness, over 2,000 years ago, the best came to earth. And his name's Jesus. And he paid your debt on the cross and resurrected. He's ascended. He's with the Father. And I'm thankful the best can be received. But when we receive the best, which is Jesus, we should confess the best. Confessional Christians. We want the accepting of Christ should be higher than the accepting of others. Can I just remind you this? And I'll move to this last point and I'll be done. It's not about you. It's about him. That's why we're here. So you see this motivation for being, you know, this being ashamed or this motivation for concealment. Folks, it's not worth it. There is no great motivation for concealment. The only motivation that you have to, not, to be concealed is you fear. But can I remind you the spirit that we have? It's not the spirit of fear, but of love, joy, right? Peace of a sound mind. That's what we have. Let us live according to that. But if you look a little bit further here, Secondly, I want you to see the motivation for confession. Look, please look at this. You look at verse 37 through verse 41. You're going to find that there were some people here that had grown hardened and hardened and a lot of religious leaders here. And in Christ, we find there was a blindness that came on them. We find, we find God practicing his sovereignty here, which he had all jurisdiction to do that. That there come a point, these people, he blinded them. They, they, could, this was a, they could not believe at this point. They had many times to. They had many opportunities to. It said he'd done many miracles and taught many things. But many were still rejecting, seeking to kill him. And here we find Christ blinded them. They could not at all believe. That is a sad place to get to. Can I tell you something? We never know at what point a person is. The only way that we can come to Christ is that the Spirit must draw us. Amen? Christ said, if I be lifted up, talking about the cross, I will draw all men unto me. So he's faithful to draw. But he could stop. He gives us, he calls, he draws, he, he convicts, and he deals with us and deals with us. But he can cut that off. We see that here plainly in Scripture. And what I'm saying here this morning is that we need to be motivated for confession because, because someone could really even be getting closer to being at that cut-off point. Folks, we need to take the gospel to people. We need to be taking the gospel to, take the gospel to people. You look at verse 37 through verse 41. They stood in the presence of the light of the world, but they would, they would not believe. They would not open up uh, their eyes. They believed not. And then they, you look at verse 37, and you look at verse 39. They would not, right? They would not believe. And you come down to verse 39. They could not believe. And from one to the other, I don't know when that point may come, but God does in his sovereignty when he may cut it off. But we find here there was a cutoff point for some here. They would not, and you find then they could not. Folks, we have, can I tell you this? You have a window of time to reach people. The faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You must take the word of God to them. But everyone is culpable of continuing to reject Christ. Keep taking the word. Keep taking the word. They rejected him. They rejected who he was completely and there is a day that will come um, when they, there is no way to accept. 
because he has cut them off. Do you find in Scripture that he turned them over? Look at the Romans. He turned them over. Can I tell you something? We, 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 we need to be reaching. I, I don't know any other way to say that this morning. But we see God desires to save. Amen? God desires to save. You've got a family member. You've got a friend. You've got a co-worker. When's the last time you share the gospel? I'm not just saying come to church, pray for my lost family. I'm saying you go to your lost family. You have a Savior who can save them. While this window of time that we have is available. But there comes a time where God has every right to cut them off for they're not willing to believe. Can I tell you the most dangerous thing you can do? The most dangerous thing you can do is turn your back on the gospel. It's the most dangerous thing. And dear believer, let me say this. Let me, let me share this. The most dangerous thing for you to do is also be careless with it. Be careless. For both parties, it's the most dangerous thing to not take the gospel where it needs to. For the for an unbeliever, you need to believe on Christ. Confess to Him you trust Christ alone because of His gospel, His death, burial, and resurrection. The Bible says that those who believe and confess Him, He comes in, He dwells. You are born again, you're His. Never to be lost, never to be forgotten. One day to be caught away to be with Him in eternity in heaven. And you that are believers, the gospel. Let me ask, let me ask you this. How in the world, as you as a believer, how in the world can you sit here in the pew and have the joy of the Lord? The gospel. How in the world can you sit here in the pew and be able to say the peace of God rules in my heart? The gospel. How can you sit here today and be able to know that I have the assurance of salvation? That I know that Christ will never leave me, never forsake me. The Holy Spirit has sealed me to the day of redemption. No devil, no demon, no power under heaven can separate me and my Savior. How can you sit in the pew and have that kind of assurance? You tell me. The gospel. We need to take the gospel with us to those who need it. Motivation for not being a concealed Christian, but being out in the world. Folks, there is future judgment. Notice what Christ says. Look on down here at the end, and we're, we're coming to a close here. Notice this. I've come into the, uh, I've come, a, or I am come a light into the world. Whosoever believeth on me should not abide in what? Darkness. Don't hide. Don't hide. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. Now notice this, these last few verses. He that rejecteth me receiveth not my words, hath one that judgeth him the word that I have spoken. The same day shall judge him in that last day. Dear friend, it is the very word. When we disobey God, when we, when we are not living out our missional purpose as evangelists, as taking the gospel, we are sinning against His Word. Which is equal to say we're sinning against God. But Jesus says, the very one that will judge you is the very, is the very one that you rejected and you've rejected my words. And so this, this, the very Word of God is going to be what we stand before. will be used in our judgment. And so I want us to know that that's what Jesus is saying here. There is future judgment. Those who reject his, reject his word, the very, the very living word, will be the one who judges us. How they received what the Bible 
says. Listen to me. You may say, Brother Josh, this is what religion says. This is what my family says. I'm not here I'm not here to, to, to talk about what mom and dad says. I'm not here to talk about what religion says. I'm here wanting you to know what Christ has said. So many times people will push away from the truth because some, of some kind of sentimental attachment. But dear friend, don't forsake the truth for sentimental value. Run to the truth. Run to Jesus. And then run for Jesus. Being an unashamed follower, following Jesus. We'll all stand before him. I think about the family. I think about our relationships. I think about our stewardship. I think about our faithfulness. All stand before the judgment. Let me give you a few verses and I'll close. Luke 19.10. Can I tell you something? We have a present Savior today. Um, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to say that which was lost. You know, over, 20, uh, over 23 years ago, I was one of those he sought. How do you know that, Brother Josh? It's because you're important? No. Because you had a lot of money? No. Because you had a great family? Well, my family's okay, but no. Because I was lost. There's no good in me why he sought me. But it's only because of the good in him. That's why he sought me. We have a Savior. It should be received, it should be served. Psalms 103 verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Can I tell you there's motivation to follow? There's motivation to be a confessional Christian? And lastly, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.3, But if our God, listen, But if our gospel be hid, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that gospel, it is hid to them that are lost so when you think you're doing yourself a service of being a hidden Christian you're, you're actually being detrimental to those that need the gospel that you have the devil will always provide, have you ever have you noticed this in your life the devil is always faithful to provide so many excuses so much vain motivation to, to hide your faith in Christ, to not be faithful to the word or to worship or evangelism. Why do we let such excuses deter us from things that actually matter the most? Can I tell you, dear Christian, I think sometimes why you're not a confessional Christian is because you don't spend enough time in God's word. You don't spend enough time on your knees. Because if I keep Christ in front of me, if I keep him as a focus in my life, my life is going to be following him. What I feed myself with is what I'm going to live for. You know, who I focus on, that's the direction of my life. So we, God, Christ has given you so many things. Listen, get in the word, get on your knees and get into worship. That's what we need so we can get out there for Jesus. Living unashamed. Living unashamed. I'll share this verse with you in close. Mr. Arbor, the Eddie, if you'll come, we'll have a song of invitation. Let's all stand to our feet for just a moment, and I'll share this last verse with you. And this is Paul talking here, the leadership of the Spirit. Just listen. Listen to what he said about his own life. 
And is that, could you say this is you? For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, now listen. Woe is me, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. You may say, oh, woe is me if I don't get my vacation. Or woe is me if I didn't, if I missed that TV series. Or woe is me if I didn't do this or get to do that. Paul says, woe is me if I don't get to share the gospel. Can you say that about your life today? Or maybe some of you that are Christians need to be on the altar and say, God, renew to me the joy of sharing the gospel. Remove the fear from my heart. Help me not to care about the acceptance of those around me, but to care about the acceptance from you. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. We're going to miss our play for just a moment.